The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode number 77. Today is Sunday, January the 21st, and we've been on and off for the last couple of weeks, and I have to say that sent my fault because I was busy becoming a father. So, you know, I got that going on, which is nice. Uh, <laughs> so my daughter, Ariana, was born last Friday, and it's been quite a wild ride, and I wasn't able to do a podcast from the hospital where she was born, so uh, I have been keeping up with the fights and watching. I actually watched the fights with her last night. She stayed up late with me, which was pretty cool, so she's already a UFC fan. Uh, we got to watch Stipe Miocic uh, defend his heavyweight championship against Francis Ngannou. Before we get into that, let me introduce my trusty co-pilot. All the way from New Jersey, Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how are you doing this Sunday evening, my friend? Bill, I am awesome. Uh, had an awesome night of fights yesterday trying to keep up with two cards going on at the same time. Uh, it, was, it was a little tricky. You had to multitask. But, Bill, what's it like being a dad? And also, how do you pronounce your daughter's middle name, Bill? It's Soleil, which is French for son. Um, and being a dad is pretty awesome. Um, you know, I, I made a person, which is kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> and it, it really changes your perspective on everything because you have this tiny little thing, uh, who has to, has no choice, but to trust you to provide everything for her. And it, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's made me look at things with a totally different perspective and, it's turned me into like the biggest pussy ever. Uh, <laughs> I, I consider myself a moderately tough guy in, in most situations. You know, I've, I've been training martial arts for uh, over 20 years and um, I've, I've done a lot of crazy things. I was a firefighter at one point in my life and I've done a lot of stuff that would be considered pretty tough, but man, you hold that, little baby girl in your arms and it just turns you into the biggest bitch on planet earth. And I'm totally cool with it. Uh, it, it's totally awesome. I I can't really even put it to words, but yeah, she's cool, man. And for those of you watching on YouTube, uh, I'm sure you understand why I look so exhausted, obviously with a newborn in the house. Uh, I'm not sleeping regularly, but it's definitely worth it. It's, it's really awesome. And um, you know, she shits a lot, which, uh, n nobody really warned me about. I, you, I didn't know that, you know, such a tiny thing could produce so much excrement, but you and I, <laughs> you and I have been talking about this and texting about it, Jeff, it, the, one of the first days I was holding her and then I, I, I had her bottom against my arm and I just felt like this puff of air, like somebody shot me with an airsoft gun. 
and she didn't even flinch. She just opened her eyes and like kind of made a little noise and then went right back to sleep. And dude, it was like a bomb went off in her diaper. It was like, <laughs> it was like those science experiments where you drop the Mentos and the two liter of Pepsi and it just starts <laughs> spraying everywhere. Um, <laughs> and, and believe me, for those of you listening, I, I'm not going to turn this into like a dad podcast, you know, maybe an anecdote here or there, but I, I get kind of annoyed when other people do that. But uh, if you're annoyed with me doing it, then give me a break. I've, I've only had this thing for a week. It's still feeling pretty new and uh, I'm enjoying it. So go fuck yourself. Um, anyway, Uncle Jeff, uh, we're looking forward to you uh, coming down and, and visiting the baby and uh, having a couple of drinks and enjoying the Florida weather, which has been a little bit off lately. It got down to 30 degrees last week, believe it or not. I woke up. And it was 31 degrees on Tuesday, I think. I thought, I was like, it could snow here. Like, why did I move to Florida? Um, but you guys have had a cold front moving through up there too, right? Yeah, it's actually just passed us by. We have actually, this weekend has been pretty solid. I think the coldest day was Friday. And then yesterday and today have been about 50, uh, 52 around there. So it's crazy. Uh I'm sure we'll get more cold, though. I, I assume we're going to get snow again at some point just because it's the season here in the Northeast. But, Bill, uh, congrats on Ariana. Uh, I love that you're sending me pictures of her. She looks great. I've been showing them to my parents a lot. And <clears throat> to those of you who maybe haven't seen Ariana, she looks like Bill a lot. She has She has your eyes and your nose, Bill. <laughs> yeah and i've been hearing that a lot um which you know may be unfortunate for her but <laughs> it, it's kind of awesome for me to have like a, a a little version of myself uh to take care of but like i said she was up late with me uh watching the ufc so there was an awesome card last night ufc 220 uh miochik versus Nganu for the heavyweight championship from the TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Jeff, uh, what was your overall impression of this card? I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, Bill, I agree with you. Overall, I thought it was really, really solid, really fun to watch. And it was so hard to keep up with this and the Bellator card at the same time because there were times when both fights going on were really, really good. And I thought it was a little bit of a mistake on Bellator. I think they should have put this card on yesterday when no one was watching a uh, really highly anticipated heavyweight match. But, dude, overall, I thought the card was really, really fun, really solid, some interesting matchups. And, Bill, I think Stipe really made a statement last night. I think that he I, – I knew he had the skill set to win this. I, I felt like he was more well-rounded than Francis, and he proved it last night. I think Francis uh, completely underestimated Stipe. He went in for the wrong type of fight, and Stipe made him pay for it. Yeah, for sure. I think um, th the way I put it was that my mind said that Stipe would win, but I, I think like most people, my gut said that Ngannou would win. And I think in that first round, which was really intense, uh, you were just kind of waiting for it because Stipe was backing up. He had awesome head movement. He had incredible footwork. He was able to avoid those big shots 
for the most part. Uh, his eye did get busted up pretty well in that first round, but you know, he weathered the storm and he had the perfect strategy. He was able to hold that monster down and wear him out. And for anyone out there saying that that it was a boring fight or anything like that, because Stipe out grappled and Ganu and wore him down and tried to get his muscles swelled up, like I'd have to say you're the hater of haters because <laughs> Ganu is a freak. And I can't think of anybody, I don't know anybody personally that would get in the cage with him. Uh, forget about stand in front of him and exchange punches. I thought what Stipe did was awesome. He showed that he was a superior mixed martial artist, and that's why he's still the champ, defending the belt for a record-breaking three consecutive times. And, uh, uh, you know, makes a really solid argument for himself as the best heavyweight of all time. I think what would really solidify that would be if Stipe were to fight Cain Velasquez. Now, I don't know how possible that is. I don't know where Cain is ranked. I think he might be third or fourth, something like that. I have no idea. I think that's the fight to make. Uh, I don't think we're doomed should get back in there just yet. I would personally love to see Verdum versus Ngannou. I, I think that would be a really interesting match. Uh, those are two guys who both start out explosive in the first round. And then Verdum, obviously, uh, one of the best submission specialists in uh, heavyweight history. I think that would be a really intriguing matchup. But as far as the title goes, I think it has to be Stipe and Kane. I think, uh, you know, they, they both have very similar styles. They're both on the smaller side for heavyweights and they both have a pace that is unprecedented for this division uh and that's how stipe was able to break francis and ganu in that fight last night and just an outstanding performance by the champ and uh, i i don't know what else to say about it i it, it was it was almost scary to watch because at any given moment and could still explode as exhausted as he was uh you know he swings one of those big hammers and and that's putting a rhinoceros to sleep. Um, so any additional thoughts after hearing what I have to say, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, I agree with you 100%. I would love to see Stipe get it on with Cain Velasquez. And, dude, I, I think it makes sense. I feel like this division is a little bit cleaned out right now because we've said this before, a lot of these heavyweights are older uh, because, uh, like we've said before, power is usually the last thing to go. So these heavyweights have a little bit uh, better of a shelf life as opposed to smaller fighters. And, you know, this division looks a little cleaned out, man. Uh, Overeem's up there. He's been beaten by both uh, Francis and Stipe. Verdum is one of Stipe's most recent victories. So I, I think I would love to see that is, you know, wait for Kane to get healthy again, recover a little bit, and in that time, let the division, you know, saturate a little bit more with some younger guys, bring them up a little bit, and then once Kane's ready to go, have him get it on with Stipe, and, you know, after that, the I feel like the division will be a little bit more stabilized. But, yeah, dude, I think that's the fight to make. I think that Stipe's performance last night – 
screamed of Cain Velasquez and how he beat Junior Dos Santos in, I want to say, their second or third fight, which is something that Joe Rogan and the commentators kept alluding to, which I thought was a great comparison. So, yeah, dude, let's do it. Let's wait for Kane to get better, and then we'll we'll do it. But yeah. uh, Sorry to cut you off, but obviously we're not the matchmakers, but I think you're right. I think this is an awesome match to see. Well, hopefully the UFC brass are tuning into the show, and, uh, you know, they take our opinions to heart. Um, that That's the ultimate goal here, obviously. We want to influence as many people as possible. Um, the other thing that could happen if Kane is not able to get healthy anytime soon, and I know Stipe wants to take some time off as well, the other possibility is to have a super fight with Daniel Cormier. Um that would get awkward if Cormier wins the heavyweight championship and then Kane is the number one contender who's one of his teammates at AKA. Um, but I think that's definitely a possibility because there's not a lot of competition at light heavyweight. There's not really any exciting matchups you can make. Um, and it, I don't think you could really even have a middleweight move up to light heavyweight to contend for that title because uh, obviously, the champ, Robert Whitaker, is on the smaller side for a middleweight since he used to fight at welterweight. Um, but uh, Cormier and Stipe would be an interesting matchup because Cormier used to fight at heavyweight. Uh, I think they're probably similar size. Cormier might even be a little bit bigger because he cuts a lot of weight to get to 205. Um, and, and Stipe is one of those guys that could definitely um, make an argument for there being a 225-pound division. but. Another option there. So with that, let's segue into the co-main event. Daniel Cormier defended his light heavyweight championship against Vulcan Ozdemir because uh, there's nobody else. And Ozdemir, who I believe made his UFC debut just last year, is now fighting for the title because um, this division is pretty much empty is what it comes down to. Not that he's not a great fighter, but I think as we saw last night, uh, he can be a bit of a one-trick pony. He's really strong. He's got crazy knockout power. He has decent takedown defense. Um, Cormier wasn't able to take him down right off the bat. You know, he had to kind of wear on him a little bit. But um, as we saw last night, he's kind of lost when it comes to the grappling, uh, which at this level, you need to have some grappling. Uh, you can't just be all takedown defense. The days of uh, Chuck Liddell are long gone. Uh, <laughs> that kind of sprawl and brawl style doesn't work, especially if you're going against an elite grappler like Daniel Cormier. And I feel like Daniel Cormier is starting to turn the corner with the fans. It seemed like people are starting to get behind him now, and I think that's because he kind of stopped caring. He started talking a little bit of trash. Um, and he stopped begging for people to like him, which <laughs> I think was always his downfall. You know, he was always asking people like, please like me, I'm the good guy, and which always has the adverse effect and, and causes people to turn on him, especially when you have like, you know, such an epic bad boy like John Jones as his biggest adversary. Uh, but Cormier, very emotional after this win. Um, and I thought it was a, an outstanding and dominant performance by a champ. Uh, you know, he got in there and did what he had to do, and he showed that Ozdemir is not on his level. Uh, the only question now is what happens with this light heavyweight division because there's not a huge crop of contenders 
anywhere in sight. What were your thoughts on this fight and uh, the future of the division, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, I thought that Ozdemir looked like it was his first day in a Brazilian jiu-jitsu class, man. <laughs> uh, he got schooled, dude. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head the days of Chuck Liddell and being able to stop a takedown and just hitting really hard over. You know, everybody is so well-rounded nowadays. I feel like so many fighters are really, really good everywhere. And Ozdemir is, you know, that old school style. It's cool. It's awesome to watch. But for practicality's sake, uh, it just went down the drain last night. And Daniel Cormier, I thought he was smart, man. As soon as he got Ozdemir to the ground, he I guess he could just feel that Ozdemir wasn't experienced because, you know, we've talked about how much grappling is, about feeling and being in certain situations. It's not a science, uh, much like striking. You know, striking, you can land a good shot, land a, for lack of a better term, a lucky shot and win. But with grappling, you need to be in those situations. You need to know what that feels like. And Cormier, he's so experienced. He could feel right off the bat Ozdemir wasn't on his level. So he just separated the arms and just started wailing on him until the, the ref stopped. And it was like uh, like that schoolyard bully thing when you just put your hand on somebody's head and he kind of <laughs> stopped them from, from hitting you. Uh, that's kind of what it looked like to me, man. But I think I've never thought poorly of DC. I've always really respected him and dude i think his striking looked really good last night i think that's so underrated for dc he landed some good shots on ozdemir and you got to remember this is a guy who was able to stand up really well with alexander gustafson who was so tall so lanky and a really experienced boxer so i feel like the only matchup to make right now is dc versus gus just wait for him to come back and Bill, you're probably sick and tired of hearing of me talk about <laughs> Gustafson, but I really, really think that he can be a force in this light heavyweight division. I think if you give him to DC again, I think Gus can get the job done. Yeah, it's possible. Um, I think uh, Glover Teixeira has kind of inserted himself into the conversation recently as well uh, with his his last uh, performance, which was. Uh, a really impressive finish. And, um, you know, we've seen Cormier and Gustafson before. We haven't seen uh, Cormier and Teixeira. Um, but even still, you, those are two guys that are both pushing 40. Um, so what does the future of this division really look like? You're talking about a division that used to be by far the most stacked division, uh, you know, back in the day when you had guys like Rampage and Liddell and and Shogun Hua and um, and things like that. Um, I, I'm I'm a little bit concerned for how the light heavyweight division is is shaping up right now. But uh, you never know what's around the bend. You never know when when somebody new is going to come along and, and stir things up. So um, that <clears throat> that'll be exciting. Uh, moving down the card a little bit, a pretty co a really competitive fight between Calvin Guitar and Shane Burgos. Uh, this one was pretty back and forth. Uh, I thought that Calvin's striking was a lot more crisp throughout the fight, and he stayed a lot tighter when he threw as opposed to Burgos, who would kind of throw wildly and then leave himself open. And uh, that wound up being his downfall at the end because uh, Calvin was just protecting himself so well. He would parry really close to his head when he would block punches. Uh, he wouldn't reach out too far. 
and then he was always protecting his face uh, immediately after throwing strikes. And, um, you know, he waited for his moment, which came later in the fight, but he put Burgos away with a, a really nasty combination. So uh, what were your thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Yeah, this fight was really exciting, and I loved what you said about Qatar being really tight and really technical in his stand-up, and it was an uppercut that, you know, led to the end here, and it was from being patient and really doing a good job of counter-striking, so I thought this fight was really fun. Uh, my only issue was that I believe, uh, what's his name? Michael Chandler was fighting at the same time. So I was like uh, in between screens going back and forth. But uh, the finish to this one I caught really well, and it was really nice. So really exciting fight. Th this one was enjoyable. Um, and like you said, man, I think you hit every nail on the head here. Qatar just – he was just a lot more technical in this one. Yeah, for sure. And then before that, uh, John Vellante getting a split decision over uh, – France Samar Barros. Um, I don't understand why this was a split decision. I don't know if you caught this one, Jeff, because I know you were uh, back and forth with the Bellator. Uh, John Vellante stalked France Samar down the entire fight. He landed the bigger shots. He landed much more volume. And uh, Barros just kind of didn't really put up any offense. I don't see how any judge could have given it to him, but uh, that was the case in a split decision for Volante. Did you catch this one, Jeff? Yeah, I did. And I, uh, this one, I don't want to say it was boring, but it felt like just another day at the office for John Volante. You know, he went out there, did what he needed to do, and kind of just bullied Barroso. Uh, it looked like he was a little bit um, respectful of John Volante, which I, you know, I think any light heavyweight would be in that division. Uh, he hits really hard, Volante. And, you know, he went out there and got the job done. I thought it was pretty unanimous. I thought it was pretty clear who won that one. So uh, I'm with you. I'm a little confused about the split decision here. Fucking judges. Oh, well. Uh, in any case, uh, we didn't need the judges in the fight before that. Rob Font getting, uh, I guess, what a lot of people would call a surprising uh, TKO victory over Thomas Almeida. This was a kid who came up and was supposed to be the next big thing in the bantamweight division. Uh, a lot of people predicted that he would be fighting for the title, and then uh, he ran into a kid by the name of Cody Garbrandt who shut him down, and he's had uh, two consecutive losses since then. So uh, I don't know what happens here for Thomas Almeida. Uh, I mean, the kid was like 21 and 0 or 22 and 0, something ridiculous like that before uh, running into Garbrandt. I don't know if he changes divisions. I don't know if 125 is a big cut for him or uh, maybe just takes some time off uh, and, and kind of reevaluates things because I think he's a really talented fighter. He's got really good mu uh, Muay Thai. Um, it, it could be just psychological at this point because uh, he's been knocked out a couple of times uh, and when you're a striker that's definitely not a good thing because you're getting beat at your own game but for Rob Font this was an excellent performance uh, this definitely boosts him up the ladder a little bit and um, uh, gets him some well-deserved spotlight what were your thoughts on this one Jeff 
Yeah, Bill, really impressed with Rob Font here. He looked great against Thomas Almeida. He looked like he was in a little bit of trouble first, and then he landed that head kick, and it was it was a totally different fight after that, mostly because it was over. But dude, what do you what where do you put Thomas Almeida here? Do you think that maybe that loss to Cody Garbrandt kind of just maybe change his mentality and made him doubt a little bit because I feel like that loss was super significant in, in his little bit of a skid here. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I could be that, you know, once he got knocked out for the first time, it, you know, this happens to guys sometimes they, they seem to be uh, unstoppable. And then once they hit that first wall, it's like, there's no going back. Um, and I, I mean, if you look at his losses in the UFC, <clears throat> he lost um, to Cody Garbrandt and then he came back and he won against Albert uh, Morales. And then he lost a decision to Jenny Rivera, who's ranked number two or three in the division right now, I think. And then, you know, the TKO to Rob Font. Um, I, I think it's also a case of, you know, maybe he wasn't facing the highest level of competition and he was in over his head against Cody Garbrandt. Uh, that could be the case. Uh, he's still a young kid. I think he's only like 22 years old, maybe 23, something like that. I could check for sure. But um, I, I don't, I don't think he doesn't deserve to be in the UFC. All right. He's 26. So he's still young enough. Um, maybe he just needs to be, move down to like the prelims of a fight night or something like that. He's one of those kids that I think they tried to build up a little too quickly. So it might be the case with him. Um, <clears throat> the only other fight I wanted to touch on Jeff, uh, there were some other exciting matchups, but uh, I want to move along for the sake of time. Uh, Abdul Razak Al Hassan <clears throat> with a nasty uppercut knockout of Sabah Masi. And this was uh, a rematch and Al-Hassan had won the first time, but he didn't feel like he really got a, a victory. I guess um, it, it, was, it was a controversial stoppage. Um, <clears throat> so I, I guess he wanted – they offered him the rematch, and he was really excited about it. Um, and he definitely put an exclamation point on this one. It was a nasty, nasty uppercut. Um, uh, I would say not quite as terrifying as the Nganu Overeem knockout, but it, it was up there. He he ran into it, and he threw it with such ferocity. Uh, it was a really scary KO, and uh, hopefully Sabah Hamasi is okay today. But uh, what were your thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, dude, th this one was awesome. It was also crazy because, you know, there was so much doubt with the first fight. There was so much controversy, and now I'm starting to think that Herb Dean may have saved Sabah Hamasi. <laughs> first one. Um, but just uh, just want to make a quick point about the previous fight. Just looking at the replay, because uh, as you recall, I did miss that one, unfortunately, and I never got the chance to go back and watch it. It looked like Hamasi was going for a takedown, but also just collapsed at the same time. So I guess you can't totally blame Herb Dean. You know, he's only human. But anyway, uh, I just wanted to say that. And now, uh, dude, this fight was nuts. Uh, super fun to watch. Both of them swinging heavy leather. And I think Hamasi just got a little too 
uh, trusting. He believed a little bit too much in his own power, and he wasn't careful, and Al-Hassan just took advantage of it. But overall, super fun fight. I thought this was KO of the night for me, performance of the night, whatever the hell they call it nowadays. Uh, super fun to watch. I'd definitely love to see them get it on again a third time, although I really don't think it's needed at this point. Yeah, I mean, at this point, um, Al-Hassan has two KOs in a row on paper over uh, Sabah Hamasi. So no matter what you thought about the first decision, I mean, I, I think if there was a rivalry, it's pretty much dead and buried. Um, <clears throat> the only other thing, Dustin Ortiz winning what I thought was a somewhat uh, controversial decision over Alexander Pantoja. Um, it wasn't like a huge robbery, but... I, I don't think he did enough to to win. I thought Pantoja controlled uh, the ground game, and he had Ortiz's back for a good amount of the fight. Um, so, uh, I don't know. A anything else uh, jump out at you on this card, Jeff, or should we move on to uh, other things? Yeah, uh, nothing else. That was. Uh, I agree with you on the Ortiz-Pantoja fight. I thought Pantoja did just enough more to win that one, but... Uh, it looked like in the last few seconds of each round, Ortiz kind of turned it up. And I, I guess because that's the last thing the judges saw, I guess that influenced them a little bit. And Bill, another fighter who's known for doing that, and now I think we can segue if you're ready to go, is Rampage Jackson. Mm -hmm. uh, he's known for doing that too. And he was the main event in the first round of the heavyweight Grand Prix that Bellator is doing last night against Chael Sonnen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let, let's uh, let's do, let's transition. Before we talk about the fights, though, I want to talk about uh, s some commentary news. So Bellator lost their play-by-play -play commentator, Jimmy Smith, who, for those who don't know, Jimmy Smith is like the Joe Rogan or was the Joe Rogan of Bellator. Really knowledgeable. He was a professional fighter. He actually um, had a pretty solid record. Uh, he, he appeared on Joe Rogan's podcast a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was just last week. I don't remember. Everything's kind of blurring together. Um, in any case, a lot of people were wondering why Bellator dropped the ball and didn't sign Jimmy Smith. And then all of a sudden, Jimmy Smith appeared on the UFC Tonight desk. Uh, <clears throat> and it was announced earlier in the week that Jimmy Smith had signed with the UFC. And everybody said that Bellator kind of fucked up not signing Jimmy Smith back. Um, I think everyone's kind of ignoring the obvious, which is that Jimmy Smith made a deal with the UFC and then walked away when his uh, Bellator contract had run out. Obviously, he couldn't say that publicly, but uh, I find it a little suspicious that uh, he gets dropped by Bellator or allegedly dropped by Bellator, and then he has a job with the UFC uh, You know, a week or two later. Obviously, he had Joe Rogan's endorsement, which... I'm sure it goes a long way, but I'm pretty confident that there was a deal made with the UFC uh, before he walked away from Bellator. And uh, Big John McCarthy, the uh, infamous referee filling in, uh, doing the play-by-play -play with Mike Goldberg, uh, a little bit choppy, I thought. Um, you know, obviously, it's a, it's a big career change for Big John. And Mike Goldberg, I still think, is, is one of the best color commentary guys in the business uh he just has that voice that's tailor-made for mma and uh i know a lot of people criticize him because 
he always used to say a lot of dumb things and ask stupid questions in the beginning. And uh, I'm sure he has a lot of quotable mistakes, but I always enjoyed his commentary. I thought he had a great voice and um, I think he does a great job with MMA. I, I like what he's doing over in Bellator too. So I'm glad he wound up someplace. Uh, any opinion on uh, the Jimmy Smith move, Jeff? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think that he made the choice that he felt was best for him. And it's just funny because there have been a lot of memes going around on Twitter of Jimmy Smith and, and Joe Rogan since, you know, Jimmy Smith, like you said, is the Joe Rogan of Bellator. So there's yeah. a meme of uh, Spider-Man, and then there's another Spider-Man pointing at him. <laughs> so <laughs> so they put, like, Joe Silva, I mean, uh, Joe Rogan, over one Spider-Man and then Jimmy Smith on another one. It's just really funny. But yeah, dude, I think that I think we just got to give Big John a chance. Uh, I, I saw a lot of mistakes from him too last night. And you know, Bill, this isn't uh, you know, I guess because we do this, we I guess we understand how challenging it can be to you know not get tongue-tied and stuff. But you know, nobody's perfect. I think that uh, he's gonna grow into it a lot like Paul Felder. I feel like Paul Felder has really grown into that role too. So I, I think you give him a couple more uh, outings and he'll be good. And yeah, dude, Mike Goldberg, I'm really glad to be hearing his voice again during MMA fights. I, I felt like he always uh, brought something special to the table with Joe Rogan. So to be able to hear him calling fights again is awesome. Uh, and I just, you know, like you said, he's got his, his uh, quotable phrases and super fun to watch. But Bill, um, let's get into this card here because Chael Sonnen, who has fought at middleweight and light heavyweight, is making, a, I think, a huge leap into basically a shark tank here of heavyweights. Mm -hmm. uh, and his first one was going, was Rampage Jackson. And, Bill, I personally thought that Rampage looked – he had the ultimate dad bod last night. Um, <laughs> he had the beer belly coming out. Like the beer, the his belly walked in the cage before he did. Um, <laughs> dude, I just th this fight was nuts. But I felt like Chael did, you know, what Chael does, which is kind of lean on people and, and win. But what did you think of this one? Did you feel like Chael was a little bit out of his element here? Um, Chael looked definitely small compared to Rampage. I mean, for a guy who, when Rampage was in his prime and he was cut at two oh five. Uh, he was a scary dude. What we saw last night, I mean, I think he was 253 pounds, uh, which is almost 50 pounds heavier than the fighting weight where he made a name for himself. That's, that's too much. I mean, if he wanted to move up to heavyweight and put on some muscle and still stay in shape, I could see that. But what we saw last night was uh, Rampage Jackson that was – you know, grossly out of shape. Uh, he looked really sluggish. He couldn't pull the trigger. Uh, on Twitter afterwards, he said that, you know, Chael did what he had to do, and he also fought like a bitch, which I, I disagree with. Uh, Chael outboxed him on the feet for almost the entire first round. Um, he landed that overhand left, which dropped Anderson Silva in Sonnen's first fight with him. A lot of people don't really respect Chael's boxing because the way he wins fights is taking people down with elite level wrestling and pounding them out. And 
he's a guy you got to remember too, very rarely gets stood up once he gets somebody down. He stays active on the ground. He was looking for submissions against Rampage. He was taking chances. He was passing his guard. Um, I, I thought it was a phenomenal performance by Chael Sonnen. And yeah, he might have played it safe a little bit, but uh, at the end of the day, he decisively won that fight. And I thought he outstruck Rampage on the feet. Rampage couldn't pull the trigger. He was just too slow. I think he's carrying too much weight. Uh, if he's going to stay at heavyweight, I would like to see him, you know, in the high 230s, somewhere around there, uh, carrying a little bit of extra muscle. But, yeah, it, it was just too much. Um, and, and the fact that Chael was able to get the takedowns, um, you know, his grappling experience is, is at the very highest level. Uh, he, he's been an elite grappler for a long, long time. Recently competed in Abu Dhabi and did fairly well. Um, he, he, uh, he competed in the absolute like the day of. He lost in the first round, but I mean, to jump in in the absolute at Abu, Abu Dhabi when you're not really a Brazilian jiu-jitsu player uh, is pretty impressive. I think because of his personality and you know the whole bad guy persona that he's adopted, I think a lot of people like to shit on him and don't like to give him credit. But uh, you know, Chill is a is a solid boxer, and I'll remind everyone again: he did drop Anderson Silva. Um, that you know, the first time Anderson Silva hit the mat in their fight was not from a takedown; it was from an overhand left from Chael Sonnen um, because he throws it. He throws it well. He has good timing with his strikes. He looked a lot faster than Rampage in there. And I thought it was interesting how he didn't go for traditional wrestling takedowns. Uh, a lot of the times he got Rampage to the ground was with an inside trip, uh, which is not a wrestling move. That's really uh, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu takedown. And it's used to get opponents who are much bigger in size than you down to the ground because it, it puts them off balance. It's not like an out-muscle you take down like a double leg. Um, so I thought, you know, as a long time grappler, I thought, you know, those intricacies were really interesting. I thought it was a great game plan by Chael. And, um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was a, a really good performance and it, it was a good start off to this, uh, heavyweight Grand Prix. Uh, I'm kind of interested to see how it's going to shape up. Uh, there's a lot of interesting matchups and I think Frank, Frank Mir and, uh, Fedor, is the uh, the next matchup, and then the winner of that is going to fight Chael. Um, both of those matchups uh, intrigue me. It would be interesting to see how Chael does against a legitimate heavyweight, like a Frank Mir or a Fedor, because those are guys who have always fought at heavyweight his whole career, their whole careers. And like you said, Chael uh, used to fight at middleweight. And he walked in the cage at 222 last night, which was extremely small for a heavyweight. That's smaller than a cane or a stipe. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how this thing plays out. Uh, uh, any other thoughts after uh, I added my two cents here, Jeff? Yeah, but I thought that was an awesome analysis. And, you know, like you said, I think Sonnen's boxing is super underrated. Uh, like you said, he dropped Anderson Silva. How many guys can you say did that besides Chris Weidman? Um, Not a lot. Yeah, and also uh, – I thing that I wanted to point out is how smart Chael Sonnen is. You know, he always goes in with a game plan, never um, never goes away from it, never veers from it, and he's super smart, super disciplined, and, <clears throat> I mean, I might be souping him up a little bit, as the kids say nowadays. <laughs> um, 
I don't know if the kids say that anymore. That's what I say now. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, dude, uh, Chill. I I just I'm a fan of his man. Uh, like you said, because of that bad guy persona, people I guess discredit him a little bit because mm -hmm. he does like to go for that pro wrestling thing where he becomes the bad guy. But if you listen to his podcast, which I do on pretty regularly, he's he's very intelligent, a very smart guy. You can tell he's super disciplined. He understands um, fighting. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, dude, I'm, I'm really curious to see him against Frank Mir or Fedor. I think he, it's going to be interesting how he deals with the size difference because those are two very big dudes. Um, and two other dudes who were huge in this fight and in this fight card. And I don't know why they didn't get the main event bill was Rory McDonald and former champion Douglas Lima. Mm -hmm. uh, bill, how did you see this one? Cause I kind of felt like. Douglas Lima did it enough to win, but I haven't gotten your perspective on this. Uh, how do you feel about this one, Bill? Yeah, I kind of saw it the same way. I think Rory definitely took more damage. Obviously, he couldn't even stand on his leg in that fifth round, uh, but he was still able to get on top and, and control the fight. Uh, on the ground, it seemed to me like they kind of neutralized each other, so... Uh, neither one of them was really getting very dominant positions over the other. Um, <clears throat> I Before the decision was announced, I could have seen it going either way. I think Bellator is happier with Rory uh, being the champion for some reason, uh, probably because they invested so much money in him coming over. Uh, they gave him a really big contract. Um, here's my feeling on Rory McDonald. Um, you have to be a hardcore fan to know who Rory McDonald is. And I feel like Bellator put a lot of eggs in his basket when they brought him over. And I think because you have to be a hardcore fan to know who Rory McDonald is, very hardcore fans overhype him too much. And he's a great fighter. He's definitely at an elite level. Um, but when people say stuff like he could be the best welterweight on the planet, um, no, I, I just can't get on board with that. Uh, he got smashed by Robbie Lawler to the point where Robbie Lawler shattered his nose. And and uh, Rory said he was seeing white in the fight. Like he she just got completely battered. Um, he was completely neutralized by Wonder Boy in his last fight in the UFC, which, you know, Wonder Boy does a lot uh, to a lot of people. Uh, he has a win over the current champ, Tyron Woodley, but uh, that was a long time ago uh, when, and that was probably when Woodley was bouncing around, uh, didn't really have a, a gym that he was training with and, and things like that. Definitely way before he was with Duke Rufus. Um, and then Rory comes over to Bellator and he starts thinking like he had some success in the UFC. I'm going to come over here. I'm going to fight at heavyweight. I'm going to win every belt in, in Bellator. Uh, I'm going to bring people back from the dead and fight them and, and beat them up. Um, he barely beat Douglas Lima, which don't get me wrong. Douglas Lima is an awesome fighter. I think he's very underrated. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. He's super exciting. He has a lot of crazy knockouts. Um, but if you barely get past that guy, you have no business talking about fighting at heavyweight. So stuff like that um, kind of annoys me. And then he's a little bit awkward. 
um, he, you know, he has that like serial killer vibe going on, uh, which is, <laughs> which can be uncomfortable, but, um, you know, maybe an unpopular opinion, but that's what I think. I think, uh, the hardcore fans who know who Rory is, um, what they tend to do is they take guys who, like I said, only hardcore fans know about, and they kind of put them up on a pedestal. Like, oh, other people don't know about this guy, but, you know, on a down low, he's the best fighter out there. And and people enjoy, uh, you know, taking that stance and making those arguments, and that's totally fine, but I don't think it goes past that. Um, I, I would say he barely breaks the top five uh, welterweights in the world. Um, and I think he's been a different fighter ever since uh, getting his face broken by Robbie Lawler. But that's my little uh, Roy McDonald rant uh, there. Any other fights on um, thoughts on this fight, Jeff, or, or the future of the welterweight division in Bellator? I don't even know who else is in it. Uh, yeah. Um, my only thing is I feel like Roy McDonald – is just not like you said. I, I don't think he's the same fighter anymore, man. Because last night against Lima, you saw his nose swell up, dude. It was like the size of half of his face. And um, every time Lima even tapped him when he was under McDonald, McDonald winced away, and and it was crazy, man. I, I feel like that's gonna persist as a problem for him. I, I don't think um, he's got too many more fights left in him, um, just because of if he gets jabbed too hard or something like that. Um, I think that's a real chink in the armor here, dude. And I kind of agree. Um, I feel I feel a little bit bad for McDonald, though, just because he was basically being bred to be the next George St. Pierre. So mm -hmm. I feel like he's never really gotten out of GSP's shadow. So I, I've always felt a little bit bad for him. Um, I feel like he's... Like he's like this is the top, and if you guys see what I'm doing, I got my hand up, and then <laughs> Rory was like right here, like just about to be able to touch the bar, but mm. just maybe an inch and a half, not there. Um, uh, that's just my two cents. Uh, I don't hate Rory McDonald, um, especially Bill, because I think that for the welterweight division, I think they need to watch their health. <laughs> I hate you, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> Jeff and I have been texting back and forth, kind of mocking Rory McDonald's trash talk. I'm going to take your belt. I'm going to take your health. <laughs> <laughs> That's the exact same way he said it, too, man. Just no emotion in his voice. It, it's just funny. Um, it, it's, it has become a good promo because of how bad it is, I think. Um, but, yeah, I... I wish he would let his uh, personality loose a little bit more. But in any case, um, any other thoughts on this uh, Bellator card? I know Michael Chandler had a strong performance. Um, he, he's probably going to get another uh, crack at his title, which doesn't really mean a whole lot. But uh, any thoughts on his fight against uh, Manny Pacquiao? Or who is that guy? <laughs> fought? <laughs> uh, yeah. I might be mispronouncing his name here. Goiti Yamaguchi. Um, I thought it looked good. You know, he just went out there, did what he does. Um, you know, Chandler, a tough dude. But I, I saw a lot of brilliance from Yamaguchi. 
Um, I kind of felt like it was when Yair Rodriguez fought against Frankie Edgar. Reminded me of that. Mm -hmm. um, where Yamaguchi's got uh, Yamuchi has a really good future ahead of him. And then Michael Chandler, you know, he's just experienced. He's a good wrestler. Did what he had to do. Um, but, Bill, um, was there anything else you wanted to go over? Because I really didn't watch any other fight on this card. Um, I did watch the Aaron Pico fight. Uh, he finished Shane Crutchen, who I believe was a lamb being led to slaughter because they really want to build this Aaron Pico kid, and he lost his last fight in like 10 seconds. Um, but the kid comes in with one of the best wrestling pedigrees we've ever seen in MMA. Um, so they've been really trying to build him up, and, you know, he, he finished a, a guy with a body shot in like 37 seconds, so that's impressive. I would expect to see a lot more of Aaron Pico from Bellator. It looks like they're really trying to put a lot of marketing behind him. Um, it'd be interesting to see what the kid could do. Other than that, uh, you know, there was, there was 18 fights on this Bellator card, which is just ridiculous. That's too much. Um, and then, you know, you got empty seats because they they have, like, five or six fights after the main event. And then, like, the, the arena's empty. So you got these guys fighting for nobody. I don't understand why they do this. Um, going back to your point earlier in the show, you were talking about uh, why you didn't know why they uh, put on a card the same night as UFC 220. I think maybe the rationale would be uh, you know, people see the marketing for UFC and then they realize it's a pay-per-view and then maybe they, they search on their cable provider for MMA and Bellator comes up and they see like, Oh, these fights are free. I've heard of Rampage Jackson. I've heard of Chael Sonnen maybe. And then they just tune in for that. I don't know if that worked. I, it would be an interesting strategy. Uh, you know, since their fights were free and the UFC was a pay-per-view, so maybe that was the thought there. Uh, I'd be interested to see uh, the ratings, and I'd be interested to see the pay-per-view buys um, for UFC 220 as well because I, I felt like uh, Twitter was a little quiet last night, and that's usually a good indicator of the pay-per-view buys. Uh, you know, when when it's a counterfeit, people are talking nonstop. Um, when it's John Jones, Cormier, people are talking a lot. Um, but, yeah, it was relatively quiet considering there were two uh, titles on the line. So uh, I guess uh, I guess that's all for the fight cards. Um, next week we have an interesting fight night from Charlotte, North Carolina, and a last-minute replacement, but I think is an awesome main event, and that's Jacare Souza against Derek Brunson. Uh, this is really interesting because Sosa is a guy who I think has the most aggressive jiu-jitsu in all of MMA, maybe with the exception of Husamar Paul Harris. Um, but yeah, he when he gets a hold of submissions, he's looking to take limbs off. Um, and then you have a guy in Derek Brunson who is an outstanding wrestler and uh, a really wild striker. And so this is a guy who has improved his striking a lot. He wants to knock Brunson out. Uh, I think this is a really interesting matchup. Obviously, if it goes to the ground, Jacare is going to have a tremendous advantage. Um, but uh, every fight starts on the feet. So and it would be, be probably pretty hard for Jacare to take Brunson down. What are your thoughts on this as a main event, Jeff? 
Yeah, I I think it looks good, man. Um, Jakari Souza, like you said, super dangerous, but Brunson's dangerous in his own right on the feet, man. And I I'm really curious to see how this one goes because Souza has proven that he's I want to say adequate on the feet. Mm -hmm. Is that is that a good word to use? Yeah, you know he he can he can do stuff while he's standing, but uh, I think Derek Brunson. Uh, I think if he goes in with a game plan similar to how um, Robert Whittaker, uh defeated Souza, I think he stands a really good chance. And Bill, this card looks interesting to me, man. Uh, what's his name? Dennis Bermudez is on here. I enjoy seeing him fight at the uh, awesome grappler, high level wrestler. Um, and then that's it. <laughs> I uh, I think uh, the Rana Marcos and Juliana Lima fight has the potential to be a real bar burner in the uh, in the women's division. Uh, Bobby Green and Eric Koch that that could be interesting. It has no implications for anything, but those are two uh, you know guys that are usually put on exciting fights. And then uh, Gregor Gillespie. Uh, is a guy that the UFC kind of started to get behind, and then they they didn't. It was like a weird thing where they started to build him up, and then they stopped. But the guy's still ten and zero, um, so that'll be interesting. But yeah, that that Bermuda is uh, Andre Feely fight is interesting for sure. Uh, any other thoughts on this card, Jeff? Uh, not really, but the UFC have some really really good stuff lined up. Uh, we got Rockhold versus Romero coming up, and then a rematch between Ioana and Jacek and Rose Namajunas, mm -hmm. which it looks like it's more than likely going to be on the same card as Holloway versus Edgar. But yeah, uh, I feel like the UFC, I feel like they got big plans for their 25th year. And a friend of mine and I were talking earlier, and he feels like the UFC is a little bit messy right now. And I, 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 I attribute that a little bit more to injuries and bad luck. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like we said, some of the divisions have been cleaned out a little bit, but I think there's some really bright stuff in the future. Uh, TJ Dillashaw versus Demetrius Johnson. It's starting to sound like it might happen. Um, if the money's right, I think Demetrius does that one. But what do you think, Bill? Do you think, like, the UFC is missing that oomph lately? Yeah. Um it's hard to say, like, from our perspective, Jeff, because, you know, you and I could get uh, intrigued by any matchup on any given day. You know, we're tuning in for almost all of these cards, and if we're not tuning in for them, we're watching them the day after or or recording them and watching them uh, later that night. Uh, so it, it's kind of hard for me to judge because, you know, we're so into it. Um, the marketer in me knows that something is missing to draw in the casual fan. Um, and it, it could be the fact that, you know, they, they put so many eggs in one basket, like a Conor McGregor or like a Francis Ngannou or a Ronda Rousey. And then when those fighters lose or when, the, when those fighters aren't fighting, what do you do? Um, so I, I think to figure it out, um, you know, there's still – there's still a promotional giant, and uh, I, I feel like the numbers will come and the stars will come. Yeah, every time 
every time it looked like they didn't have any stars left, like somebody came out of nowhere or they started marketing somebody um, and, and it draws people back in. I think overall it's, it's the kind of thing where very few people will be interested all the time. Like you and I are Jeff. Um, and you know, they'll go through phases where they'll draw in the casual fans, but they're not going to draw people in to become fans like us who are going to watch uh, every weekend or every other weekend and, uh, and follow along as closely as you and I do. It's just, uh, it's just not that kind of thing. It's a niche sport and uh, people really only care. Uh, the casual person really only cares when there's a, a big name person fighting. Um, but in any case, uh, I, I have a buddy of mine who, uh, has been watching recently he's been tuning in and, and we text during the fights and uh what we do is we make shot bets so he'll look at a card not knowing who anybody is on the whole card and he'll pick hit his five guys on the main card that he wants to win just based on their names and their pictures i guess and then uh i, I just by default take the other five and uh, we watch the fights and uh, kind of text back and forth. And if my guy loses, I have to take a shot. And if his guy loses, he has to take a shot, so on and so forth. And uh, so shout out to Tony, uh, who I've been doing this with. And last week, I was watching the fights from the hospital after Ariana was born. And uh, Tony went 0 for 5, and he had to take, <laughs> he had to take a shot for after every fight of the main card and the main event is a double shot. So, uh, I guess he was feeling pretty good, uh, after that, uh, for anyone who's wondered what I've been drinking for regular listeners of the show, you know, we always talk about booze at the end of the show or at some point during the show. That's why it's MMA on the rocks. If you haven't figured that one out. Um, if you're wondering what I've been drinking during this whole becoming a father phase, the answer is anything I can get my hands on. Uh, and that's why I've been sipping. You may have seen, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you may have seen me uh, taking some sips of these minis. It's a Watkins Select Honey Flavored Whiskey. Uh, I would equate it to like a Jack Daniels honey. Uh, it's not quite as syrupy, which I like. It's a little more subtle on the sweetness as well. Um, it, it's actually pretty nice. I've been a big fan of the minis, Jeff, because. I can just throw them in the diaper bag and, uh, <laughs> you know, bring them around wherever I need to go. Um, you know, fatherly functions and things like that down the line, I'm sure. Uh, the minis will come in handy. But uh, the real answer is I've been, I've been drinking, uh, you know, this and that here and there, a uh, bunch of things. I'm sure I shared a lot of it with you, uh, Jeff. And if you follow... On Instagram, you can always see what I'm drinking on my Instagram story at MMA on the Rocks. Jeff, have you been uh, sipping on anything interesting lately? I know uh, you haven't been feeling too well recently. Uh, were you sipping on anything for the fights last night? Yeah, dude. I, I had a stomach bug midweek. I'm over it, thank goodness. Um, so last night, I was just having Crown Royals. And uh, I basically did the same thing. Uh, anytime my fighter won, I would kind of do a shot. Um, and I, I was trying to make the, um, 
the the drink that you showed on YouTube uh, with the Crown Royal. But then I realized I had to freeze the strawberries, and I didn't have <laughs> the, the mixer. So I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to drink the Crown Royal and eat strawberries. Can't go so, wrong. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but uh, that's what I've been sipping on. And, Bill, this is going to be my final thought is the government shut down. So the Krats, <laughs> the Krats and the Republicans couldn't really agree on anything, as is the case most times. Uh, that's why we have two political parties, I guess. But, um, you know, the post office will be open. So if you need to mail anything, <laughs> you, you'll, you'll still be golden. All right. I, I like to have final thought. If anybody is coming to this podcast to, to find out what to do uh, when the government shuts down, you're fucked because <laughs> uh, we don't know. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't have even known you could still go to the post office. I, I didn't even know that people still go to the post office. Um, but I guess mail will still be delivered uh, until the government sorts this thing out. I wish everybody could just get along. They can't just settle it over like a beer piling match or something. <laughs> Maybe like a, you know, they, they just put up Trump and then like, I, I don't know, whoever the Democrats pick. And then they just have have a game of beer pong. Everybody gets everybody gets uh, you know a little tipsy and starts getting along and like, all right, let's approve this budget and move on already. Uh, that's how I would do it. Uh, but don't count on me running for president anytime soon because that's a shitty job and I don't want it. Um, so yeah, there's that. All right, Jeff. Great closing thought. Um, I, I guess this was the the comeback episode because i think we've only done one episode in the last four or five weeks something like that i don't know i have no concept of time because i have a daughter now and that's that's my priority but um we're gonna try and try and get back on a schedule here jeff so hopefully we'll be back next sunday if you want to get a hold of jeff it's at animal underscore wilson on twitter as you could have seen under his face if you're watching this episode on youtube and you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anywhere on social media. Don't be shy. Drop us a line. Let us know what you're thinking and drinking. Until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye.